going. So, Tony, do you recognize this? No. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a minute. This music means nothing to you? I don't know. Gotta wait for the hook. Yeah. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. This is the big part. This should be your aha moment. We're waiting for the drop. I'm not a good guesser. Well, Tony, you are making some producers very upset right now. <laughs> What, what's that from? <laughs> that's, the, that's the theme music for Chicago Fire. Uh, okay. <laughs> are you disputing it? You, you're allowed I'm, to dispute. I'm not disputing. You are I, allowed to dispute. I honestly uh, never. He fa- he, listen, he fast forwards through that part when he DVRs the show. <laughs> right. I, I never. Um, I, and I honestly, honestly, I thought that you would pick it up right away because I've never seen it. the show. I've, I've. Maybe like watched like the middle of it, but I've never started from the beginning, so I've never heard the original. But well, if YouTube told me that it was the original theme song, <laughs> I had to go with it. Well, I thought you would have jumped all over that. I'll tell I'll tell you this: I haven't watched them from the beginning either. I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't. I I don't think I ever really paid attention. <laughs> well, with that, Steve, introduce hey. our guest here. All right, well, from uh, Squad 2 and from Chicago Fire television show, right. we have... A.K.A. Tony Blake. That's <laughs> Tony it. Blake. There you go. A.K.A. Tony Ferraris. Tony was just telling us off the air that I was like, well, what's your character name? He's like, Tony. What's your character's last name? He's like, well, it's my last name, but <laughs> there was an episode that they made him Tony Blake, and then what the producer told you that one we're not, episode, yeah, we're not, we're not yeah, going with it. that anymore. No, they weren't fe- <laughs> they weren't feeling it somehow. No. <laughs> do, do the guys that that you work with do they know that you were AKA Tony Blake at the firehouse? Um, no, I don't. Well, I, I imagine you're going to get a lot of Tony Blake after this episode. That's that's all right. Um, <laughs> Bring it. You do, do you check into hotels as Tony Blake? That's your, <laughs> that is my alias, and now go. I'm going to have to change it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony, how long have you been uh, with the city? I've been with the city since 99. Really? Yeah. And you came on as a fireman. You're not like a crossover. No, even. no. Is Chicago the, your your first time uh, as a fireman? Or yes, did sir. Did you come from the Burbs? No. No. What were you doing before? You kind of strike me as a tradesman. I was an engineer. Uh, I worked at Lyle University. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. No kidding. I bet you, like, most people don't know that about you. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. What local is that? Uh, 399. 399. There you go. Right? 399, 150 is the operators. Yeah, 399. And how how did you, like, family, what got you? It paid the bills. Um. Yeah. What made you how want did, to take the test? How did I? Oh, the fire test? I've always wanted to be a fireman. You did? Uh, yeah. It was just something I wanted to do. And, like, how did you stumble upon it? You just 
saw a fireman. Where you grew up in Chicago? Yeah, I have two cousins that are firemen. Okay, okay. So you, both you, retired. You, you had it in the family? Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, I don't know if it was, I don't know, it was just something I always wanted to do. Um, I kind of like, you know, doing things like that. I like helping people for starters, but, you know. How cool is it going into a fire? I mean, <laughs> come on. Depends on who you ask. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, exactly. there are the, a good chunk of the, the population might disagree with you there. Sure. I I, I agree with that. Um, I think that most of them just haven't done it and, like, know how cool it is. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, what we do is a necessary. And, uh, you know, when we're responding, people are in need and they're at their worst. So uh, there's kind of a catch-22 there with what we do. Yeah, it is an interesting paradox that you want your best run to be <clears throat> at somebody's expense. Unfortunately, it, uh, yeah. Like you want you want that raging fire. You want, like, people hanging out the way. You want, you know, well, you want to do work, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think now um, I really... I'm not going to say I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to fires, but if we don't, it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I always like to say, like, I don't want to see somebody's house burn down, but if it's going to, I'd want to be there. Sure. You know, like sure. I want to be, I want to be the one to help. And it, you, you get that sometimes you see that like we're in the engine or, or the rig, or whatever, we're coming back from an ambo run and you hear somebody else catches a still and you're like, fuck. I want to go. Yeah. You know, that's, we are we on the box every third? Like, you know, like, you know, I don't want to see anybody lose their belongings or anything, but if it's going to happen, you know, I'm, no. I want to be on duty. I want to be there. Absolutely. And our job is to, you know, for one, try to save whoever's in there. Yeah. And then, you know, we want to save. Well, their... I imagine that it took you a while to get to this point in your life <laughs> and in your career where you're okay. With, so how long have you been a fireman? Since 99, 20, I'll be, it'll be 25 years in February. Okay. okay. So, but, I mean, I think that would be, like, right on the timeline where I would imagine that guys would be like, I'm okay with it. And I, and I completely understand. I think most people listening will understand that you're not a guy who doesn't want to go to a fire, but if you didn't, if all the houses in the city <laughs> were okay, you'd still have a good day. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and I just want to get you closer here. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah, I, it's like I said, it's the catch 22 of, of what we do. It's, you know, yeah, I want to go to work. Um, you know, um, but it's always at somebody else's expense. And, you know, for one, I'm glad I could be there to help people. Um, for starters, but I don't know, you know, I mean, fires are down, things are different, um, from a long time ago. And I thought I'd never be the guy to say that because, you know, when I first went to squad two, um, we were very busy and, you know, I worked with some guys that are all retired now that complained that we weren't doing anything. <laughs> and, uh, what's a busy day on squad two for you? This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho. If you're a city employee and you get hurt, 
you have the option to request sports and ortho when you're being assigned some physical therapy, right? Yeah, absolutely. We can always choose us. We're on the city plan. So if you want to come to us, we are happy to see you. Yeah, you're, you're not locked into whoever they send you to. You can always make a request to go to a better facility if you'd like. And sports and ortho is a good alternative. We think so. Oh, um, I mean, I've had multiple fire days, um, you know, pinions. I mean, you name it. There's just all kinds of, you know, and I know we all don't want to go to a surround and drown, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Um, But, yeah, busy day is, you know, you get to work. we, We drill in the morning. We do all the stuff we need to do, and then we, uh, you know, if we catch some runs, you know, it helps pass the day. But also, again, um, we're living off of somebody's tragedy, you know. Well, for the people who are listening and other people on the job who are listening, because the terminology is different where you go. There's even municipalities that the squad is actually the ambulance. Absolutely. So... Explain to people what the squad does for the city of Chicago and, and what you do. Um, well, you know, we, for one, Chief Fox back in the day um, sent us all to school. So um, we're all certified in, you know, state certified in various things, trench rescue, um, What about the, what are the minimum requirements for you to work on the squad? Well, now uh, I think you have to be operations level of, you know, have operate rope operations, uh, confined space operation, uh, VMO, uh, vehicle machinery operations, uh, trench ops, um, collapse ops. Yeah, you have to be a diver. Um, I don't know. I think you have to be a tech, a hazmat tech also. Um I really don't know because all this stuff uh, came about, you know, after I was already assigned to the squad. Um, And again, I had uh, a guy named Chief Fox who, you know, was like, hey, uh, you know, you're going to Tech A next week uh, on (laughs) Monday. You're like, uh, Chief, you know, um, I got this going. And he's like, okay, great. Yeah, beater, you know, (laughs) Kinder Morgan. (laughs) <laughs> and that was it, you know, those, those, those were how things went, um, back then. And now, you know, you have to have five years, uh, as a firefighter to get on the squad, um, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, we just had, uh, Billy Heenan and Pat Kehoe in here on Monday. Really? Yeah. And they said that squad two wasn't the best squad that the city had. Well, you know. <laughs> I love Billy, so I'm not going to say anything. No, they, <laughs> Tony, they absolutely did not say that. <laughs> I just want to get Billy in trouble. Uh, I, I love that man. Can uh, you get Billy in trouble? I, it seems like I can't. Yeah. It seems like I can't. And when we were in here, we were calling Pat Kehoe the Teflon Chief. 
because there wasn't anybody who said a bad thing about that man. The best. Not the best. like you couldn't find one piece of dirt. Like Corey dug and dug and tried to find some. Not a single speck. And when he sat down here and he talked, I understood why. Yeah, he's a gentleman. A gentleman, absolutely, one hundred percent. Both two very good friends of mine. Uh, who do you think went? Who do you think went to more fires? You or Billy? Well, I'd say Billy, just yeah. because. Well, he's well, got he was, he's got more time than me. Oh, okay. You mm. know, um, but I mean, we've Billy and I've had some good fires together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Give me a give me a good you you got to have a good Billy Heenan story. People love Billy Heenan stories. <sighs> Billy. <laughs> Spare, it, spare no expense here. It's all, you know, he's he's just a great guy. I don't know. I, I mean. Like, I, I'm, I'm the president of the Billy Heaton fan club, so <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. But I, I want to hear, like, unadulterated Billy Heaton story straight from you, Tony. Well, I mean, I'm sure he told you the Rocky story. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's by that, far that one of the best the... stories I've ever heard in my life. I wish I would have been there. Yeah, we got to hear it straight from his mouth. He sat right in that yeah. chair and twice, told it. twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he. I will say this: he is by far the best storyteller I ever met in my life. I, I would tend to agree with you because he lets you just hang, and he's not trying. He just he's just being Billy, right? Nah, he's yeah. just like, and then. You know, I go and get my bow out of my car, and I'm like, hey, guys, look what I shot. They're like, oh, my God, you killed Rocky. You know, I mean, you you can't make that stuff up. Um, well, he, he told, you know, amongst the other stories of him catching the girl and then him getting really fucked up at a fire that he that was actually in the basement that was actually coming up to the registers and that flashed over on him. He's telling that story, and... I mean, I'm sitting there, like, horrified. And, like, the fact that these little things that were nothing, and this, by the time, like, Billy had that flashover, he had been on a while, and he had gone to more fires than I ever could imagine. Sure, sure. And it happened to him. It's a lesson to everybody out there that the little things, the things that you aren't thinking is very dangerous are the ones that are going to get you. Well, yeah, you know, unfortunately, um, I've had my share. 2018, I almost. Yeah, tell us about that one. Well, we had a fire on Van Buren. You were on the squad? Yes. Okay. Yes. So are you assigned to the squad? Yes. Okay. Because they have detail guys, right? Not anymore. We used to have detail guys. We really don't anymore. Kind of closed the ranks a little bit. Well, we used to have, it was like a 90-day detail, so... You know, you could see people and, you know, I think it's it's mostly how you act with the other guys. And, you know, everybody has to bring something to the table. Everybody's yeah. not great at everything, you know, but you have to bring something to the table. But, yeah, it's... Uh, okay, well, tell, tell us about 2018. 2018... Well, it's 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 a crazy story, and there's a couple things that you know I wish w- would have went differently. Um, but we were at the firehouse. It was January, maybe. Okay. Cold out. Um, we get a. We hear over the radio, uh, 113. Get uh, a still on Van Buren like 48, 26, and I'm going to be a weirdo because I remember everything. 
Um, so yeah, we Van Buren and Cicero. So you're headed a little headed little west of Cicero, absolutely. So at that point, we get uh, a still in an institution over by California and Irving, the school over at there. At the same time, right after we hear them on the radio, so because uh, they gave it to them on the air. So we're pulling out of the firehouse. As soon as my front wheels hit Pulaski, I'm making a right. They say they have a fire. So we're going to the school by California and Irving. We get over there. Um, I don't remember who the chief was. Uh, comes on the radio and says, hey, we got a, a fan belt, something like that. Hold everybody up. Because you're getting dispatched. You're going to the, the exact opposite direction absolutely. of where this fire that you're hearing 113 go to. Yeah. Absolutely. Because Squad 2, for those who are not familiar, Squad 2 is located at Engine 91's house on Pulaski. Diversity. Di- uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. Right next door to the Binnies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ironically across, enough. Across the street from the old Marshall Field. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we get there. You know, and I, I think we hear... Right before the chief cuts us loose, we hear him say they're bringing somebody out, you know, have the ambulance meet him in the back, something along those lines. You're hearing this from On the, the radio, fire? on from Maine. From the fire? Yes. Okay. On Maine. You know, because, I don't know, um, it's a habit. You know, you listen to everything sure. that goes on. Yeah. Whatever. I'll tell you what, a guy uh, came in here, um, Jimmy O'Connell said, you can't. If you want, you can't be in the game if you don't have the game on. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And that's, you know, I go to the academy and I talk about this fire that I was in, and I, I, I tell this story to these to the kids that are coming on, and <clears throat> my biggest thing is to everybody is like, pay attention, even when you're there. Listen to Fireground. I know everything's foreign to you to to when you first come on the job, but you will get it. And you know, I want to know what's going on everywhere. You know, um, but anyway, so we hear him say that the chief cuts us loose. We're pulling out of there and we're like, there's no way they're sending us there. Sure enough, they come on radio and say squad two, take that fire in. So by the time you're getting sent to this fire, it's already been going for a little while. Yes. Yes. So, you know, whatever I head up Irving, uh, get to Cicero, make a left and really not much is being said on the radio, so. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Story is brought to you by Chicagoland 1-800-BOARDUP. Corey, you know a lot about BoardUp. Man, I am a BoardUp guy from way back then. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, for a lot of you guys that uh, are, are, aren't super familiar with what BoardUp companies do, um post fire we've got a lot of openings in the house we got a, a lot of orifices if you will orifices and um and board of companies show up and they they get you lined up and these guys at chicago and 1-800 board up are the best in the business pal well they're all about their victim assistance so they'll take you from the fire all the way back to bringing you back into the house post fire yeah, it's not just about like fixing the house. It's about helping the, the person that, right. that was involved. It's not just putting plywood on your windows yeah. after a fire. It's about taking care of the victims. They have this saying about after the fire, now what? These guys will answer all those questions. They'll take care of everything. 
but you got to reach out to them. You can find them on Facebook at Chicagoland 1-800-BOARDUP. And if you go to our social media, we have the QR code and just scan that QR code. It'll take you right there. Yeah, man. Um, and on top of fire restoration, they also do water damage, wind damage. Um, again, these guys like pretty much if there's a disaster, if there's something terrible that's that's going on, they're gonna help. They're gonna prop you up and help you out in whatever way they can. Yeah, they are. They know what they're doing. They've had ten years of supporting the fire service and even more than that of restoration, everything else. We you, you went to the whole list on our last episode here about wind damage, restoring fine artwork, everything else, anything that you need post-fire, Chicagoland 1-8 Board Up can provide. Knowing my time frame, knowing all that, they're making good progress. Can you hear fire ground from that far away? No, no, but we're just listening. You're just listening to Maine. We're here in Maine, like okay. giving updates, whatever. So, um, like I said, I'm going down Cicero, and I'm in my mind, I'm like, well, there really is not much going on, you know, blah, 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 blah. They said a couple things. I don't recall what. We're going under the bridge at Grand in Cicero, and as we're going under the bridge, they box it. Which means what? Explain that to people. They escalated the alarm to the next level. So They needed that, more manpower. Exactly. They more resources. So it was, yeah. it was like, okay. It went from nothing to something. We're probably going to work now. Okay. So we pull up, park on Cicero right at Van Buren, walk up the block. As we're walking up, um, a chief approaches me and says, uh, Tone, I need you to take the line from 117. They're going to change their bottles. We're trying to find the second floor. And probably the furlough before this, we had a fire by Grand and uh, near Gansett. Uh, is that Sayer Park right over mm-hmm. there? So right by Sayer Park. And uh, it was pretty much the same fire. He said it's the same thing. Um, so whatever, we walk up, we walk up to the building, walk up the stairs. So are you taking 113's line? It was 117's line. Oh, 117, okay. Yeah. one. I think 113 was in the basement. Okay. Uh, that's what he told me. 113's in the basement. They're making good progress. We need to get to two. Um. So we walked up the stairs. When you walk up, the door's in the front, and you walk in, there's a little foyer. You turn right, and you, and, and you walk, you know, three feet, four feet. There's a door to get into the front room. So I open the door. You know, it's chugging. Um, I push the door open. I look in. The door doesn't open all the way, which is a common thing, Yeah, sure. unfortunately. You know, it's because there's a lot of shit behind the door. Yes. So I tell, you know, Jones and Hogan have the pipe. I'm pretty sure. I tell Nikki, I said, take this door off. We're not getting trapped in there. So Nikki takes the door off. We, I go in and I go right up, you know, the A side to the D. But as I'm going in, I see two guys pass me with the line that are short. So I know my guys don't have the line anymore. So it's 117 back on the line. They change their bottles, whatever. So I walk over, I get to the thing, and they push by. Did they Did they take it from you guys? How they just took their with... line back. Okay. You know what I mean? They came out to change air bottles. 
and when we walked up, we took the line, and then they obviously changed. Um, it was two great guys uh, that that had the line. Um, so we, I go up and I turn and you know whatever. I, I take a knee. I throw my mask on because you know I pushed in a little bit, and we're walking up and there's all this stuff being said, you know, on the radio, you know, we can't find it, this and that, the basement, you know, they're trying, you're trying to find a door that leads you upstairs. Exactly. And it's a common thing in the city with, with the way things are laid out. So it's front room, dining room, and there's usually stairs that go to the basement Mm -hmm. stairs that go to the second floor. Um, this layout was a little different. Unfortunately, I didn't get to really see it after the fact. Um, so they were talking about, you know, hey, let's 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 do a systematic withdrawal. You know, that came over the radio. I remember that wholeheartedly. So in my mind, before I'm backing up, I got a line in front of me. You know, I'm very confident. You, know so what you, I mean? you feel relatively safe at this point. 100%. Okay. 100%. And I say to Nikki, who's... I thought was right behind me. He was a little be farther behind me. I said, Nikki, put a hole in the ceiling. Let's make sure the shit isn't behind us. And that second he did that, it burned through the floor or the door and lit the whole first floor up. And I was... Behind, behind the line. The line, yeah, the line was passed. You know, I was waiting for them to come back. Should I have backed out? Whatever. Um... I really wasn't too concerned about it. It wasn't super hot in there. It wasn't, um, it was just really shitty, you know? And next thing you know, and I, when I say that fast, yeah, I was standing in a room full of fire. I hit the deck. I looked back to see where the door was because I know where I am in relative to being in the room but I don't know what's in the room. You know what I'm saying? So I look back for the door and ever look into a fireplace? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I was looking (laughs) like, you know, show me. But you were in the fireplace. Show me the door. (laughs) Right. You know, and all I saw was fire in my mask. And I was like, okay. You couldn't couldn't visualize anything that you needed to to visualize. No, I couldn't. I didn't know where the door was. I just, in my mind, I'm like, I came this way. Um, you know, and a, a lot of things go through your mind. I'm, I'm not going to sit here. It's like, do I, do I fucking lay here? You know, what do I do? Long story short, I got up. I left my pole. I had my axe in my hand, and I took off. And we all know the archway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hit that. Full speed. Full speed. You know, I was crouched down. I had my axe. I had my hand in front of me, and I just made a beeline where I thought the door was. And I make this joke a lot. You know, if I was three feet to the left, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I would have hit the door and we would have been great. But <laughs> it didn't happen. I hit the wall, um, and then my helmet fell off, and I was on fire. So, you know, it was pounding me from the right side. I think everybody knows how it works. High pressure, low pressure, the windows, the door in the yeah. front, and it was just pounding me. And uh, I was like, I got up on the wall and, you know, I was covering my ear like this. I had my elbow on the wall. I had my hand on the wall and I didn't know where I was. And I was like, I'm going to fucking die in a bungalow on the west side. Are you kidding me? 
You know what I mean? I got to yeah. be 10 feet, 15 feet from the door. You no, know you're close. Yeah. Yeah. But. Because you covered a lot of ground in that run that wound up getting you to the wall. Sure. Right? Sure. And, you know, whatever. I just. Everybody says, oh, well, you didn't panic. I don't know. I don't know if I panicked because. You didn't have time to panic. Well, looking <laughs> at it now, I mean, we all know how it works, right? Like that flyer is trying to get out that window. And it was pounding me from this side. I you mean, were in the way. I was moving to my left, but, I mean, I should have taken a cue from was, that. Was it an option for you to go toward the end of the line where the pipe was? I didn't know where the line was. Oh, you you, you weren't? No. The line had gone past you at some point, and the, I the went, pipe was past you, but you you didn't know where it was. Well, when I came in, I came across... The A side, they went this way. Oh, oh I yeah. see. So I came across and I went up the so D. So you're, you're completely on the other side of the room from the pipe. I went up the D side. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, when they said, let's start backing out, systematic draw, because 117 came out. It's like, we, we ain't got nothing, you know. And uh, balloon construction, fire went from the basement to the second floor. I mean, we all know how that works. Um, so I was like, like I said, I was like, I'm good. I'll, you know, I'm going to take a couple more steps. I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll find the stairs. Looking back, like, what does that do for us? Absolutely nothing anyway, because if we would have been in that stairwell, it really would have been a problem. Um, so, yeah, I ended up on the wall, and I kept moving to my left, and, like, my arm went through the doorway, and I kind of fell through, and I want to say Jones was there or Hogan was there. I think Jones was there and he grabbed me and like threw me towards the door and then they threw me down the stairs <clears throat> and uh we were missing people still you know and I mean I have pictures I was I was torched you know yeah. lucky I got out very lucky Did you, were you in pain at that point or no it hadn't hit you yet no I I, I you know the extent of your burns no, I really didn't. I mean, I was hot. Yeah. You know, and now I joke with people when people say, man, it's hot in there. <laughs> you know, now I'm like, you don't know what hot don't is. Know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, anyway, they, uh, you know, we lined back up to go in because there were two people missing, Riv and uh, Nitchie, Kevin, and... Uh, they ended up getting out the back door because what happened is, is somebody had them pull the line out and the kid that was on the pipe, Dominic, they dragged him out. He was holding on to the pipe. If they wouldn't have, like if he would have lost the pipe, I don't know if we would have, you know, what would have happened to him because he was in no man's land, but they dragged him out through all that out the front door. So the guys who were on the line in front of you, they were receiving the same type of, conditions that I think it was behind them because um like I have a video of it and it's it's from the outside and the whole b side where it comes up lights up and then it lights up and it's running to the front um so it doesn't run to the back and they were past there but like I said Dominic was holding on to the pipe they dragged him back Riv and Kevin went out the rear door. I want to say Jimmy Curtin was back there calling him because I think on the video I have, he's in the back and he's calling them and they follow him out. They follow his voice out. Long story short, we don't know that in the front. Yeah. 
So we're like, we got. You think he's he's missing? Oh, Kevin was my officer at the time. So we're like, Kevin's not here. If you're a first responder in the Chicagoland area, please consider our friend Greg Baghdad at Counseling Centers of Arlington Heights. Greg is a mental health therapist who is also a firefighter paramedic for Chicago Fire Department. He was also a guest on this podcast, and he understands what it's like to be a first responder. Yeah. I mean, uh, Greg's a fireman. He's a paramedic. He is a mental health therapist, and more importantly, he's one of our friends. Um, we, we've talked about before, we would never recommend a, a, a person that we don't know personally, and Greg is that guy. Whether it be anger that you feel, right. a call that haunts you, addiction, marital issues, call Greg and set up a session. Yeah, you know that he's coming from a place where he he knows what our problems are. Um, his phone number is eight four seven six one six one six five six. Again, Vince, that number eight four seven six one six one six five six, and you can set up a in person session in Arlington Heights as well as a telehealth, and they accept most major insurance providers. Which means. Most likely, if you're a fireman or a paramedic, he's going to accept your insurance. Um, and, and we've talked about before, Greg is just a great guy that's going to do what's right by him. So um, whatever he's got to do to get you the help that you need, he'll be there. Yeah, the same conversation that you would have with a guy at your firehouse, mm-hmm. you can have with Greg. Except Greg has the ability to help you a little more because he knows what you're going through. Um, Let's reference that number again, Vince. So that number. if you need help, you call the hammer, right, Vince? The Hebrew hammer. What's his number? 847-616-1656. Again, that number is 847-616-1656. And don't forget to check out his book uh, featured on this podcast, Mental Health Mayday, a firefighter survival guide from recruit through retirement. Dominic was out. Where's Riv? Long story short, we're lining up to go back in. And then somebody says, hey, they're in the rear. They got out. And, you know, Mikey looks at me and says, hey, dude, you're good. I'm like, no, I'm good. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, no, I'm good. He's like, dude, all the skin's hanging off your ears, your face, you know, whatever. Um, And that that was pretty much you know, the end of it. I kind of walked away, went a couple houses over. A chief who's a very good friend of mine came over and I told him, don't give me a minute, just get away from me. I'm good. You know what I mean? And long story short, they sent the ambulance over and the ambulance, you know, they took me. And And that was that. Yeah. Yeah. How how long were you out for? (sighs) I think three weeks. For a month, maybe. Okay. Something like that. I don't know. I have these magical powers of healing. I don't uh, know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, typical fireman. Yeah. Can't I, sit still. Right? Well, <laughs> the craziest thing is, um, I probably shouldn't say this because it's, it's probably not a good thing, but like everything seemed to heal really fast. And uh, except my, this year over here was was pretty bad but it was healed and 
like after you know, I went to medical. I went yeah. to the burn doc. I did all that, and I, you know, I was like good, and I came back, and then, you know, I was working out and doing things, and then like it was a weird thing. Then all of a sudden, like the skin on my ear would just fall off. <laughs> and then it was like, I was back to square one, but like I was already back at work. Yeah. So I was like, what do we do here? <laughs> now is it your ear now even more susceptible to heat or is it a little more sensitive to that ear now? Um, I think I'm good now, but for the longest time, Billy Heenan is honestly one of the guys that was like, Hey dude, he's like, here's the deal. He's like, you're gonna, I don't care if the fire's on the right side or not. <laughs> you know, you're going to think. Because you, know, you know how we operate. Yeah. You know, we operate off a of feel, whatever. I mean, we can't see stuff. But he wasn't, you know, the truth was the truth. It was like, I'm like, ah, the fire's over here. <laughs> and then you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, and, and I'm not going to lie and sit here and say that. Like, I came back to work and, I just shut my mouth and I just do my job and I do what I'm supposed to do, whatever. But it was tough. It was tough. And I just want people to understand. What about it was hard for you, the being off of work or just that that happened to you? What What about it was hard? Well, for 18, 19 years of my career. You have been touched. I thought, well, no, we, I'm not going to say that. You know, not I've been in, like that. I've been in worse situations and came out way better but it, it seemed like every decision I made you know what I mean like for all these times was I just lucky or did I know what I was doing yeah okay you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. like you know I mean I think for what you do is you got to have a little bit of both right yeah but you got <laughs> you know I mean to this day I'll still stand by my decision because you know we had a line you know and I mean, there, there's a perfect example. I mean, how many times do you hear you can do everything right and still get hurt? Yeah. You had a line in front of you. You had good conditions, and you wound up taking a, a trimming out there. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I think my adrenaline was was so jacked that you know I really until they I was in the hospital and they debur you or whatever. Yeah. There you go. That's got to be painful as fuck, right? Dude, it was the weirdest. I'm like, you're scrubbing my face. They're, they're scraping skin off your face. You're scrubbing my face with a brush right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was and like I, a grill brush. I was like, what? <laughs> what? What is going on here? Um, but yeah, um, I just want people to understand too, like, you know, it's okay to, you know, if something happens, it's okay to kind of, sit back and you know, figure it out, you yeah. know. Um, what do you tell the candidates when you go and tell them that story? What What do you want them to get out of that story? What I want them to get out of that is, you know, we have a very dangerous job, you know, and I listen to the radio. I'm a, a weirdo when it comes to all that stuff. I listen to everything. I want to know what's going on everywhere. And, you know, we still got caught. You know, there were other guys in there with me that got to the door quicker than I did. That's all. I was the farthest one up. And when it came, you know, I watched it. It came like out of a door like that. You know what I mean? Cause we're in a room where I can't see anything. It's the pillowy, yeah. you know, and, and it just came, it came at me. I just was like, 
that's the one thing you can see. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> it came and it came hard. And like yeah. I said, I hit the deck and I, I kind of looked, I'm like, where's the door? And, uh, didn't see the door. So, I mean, sometimes you have to, you know, rely on your instincts. Like I know where I came from and that's why I tell people, um, I worked with a guy when I first went to the squad. I worked with a bunch of great guys. Um, but this guy used to ask me all the time, like, you, you know, because as you're walking up, you're trying to size it up, look at the windows, try and get the layout, figure out what's going on in there. And uh, this guy used to ask me all the time, like, you check everything? Yeah, yeah. What color was the building? And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, what is wrong with you? Like, I don't know what color building was. Like, well, you didn't look at it. And now to this day, I understand. Yeah. Do you, you know, do that to guys now? Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Good. If you, any of your squad guys are listening. Yeah. No. It, well, yeah. Too. Well, you're, you're, you're passing on the lessons that you learned. I mean, you thought it important enough. Now you're looking back and you get it now. Yeah. Pass that on, man. That That's what I think we need a lot more of that in our in the fire service some people are stingy with this knowledge amen you know? and yeah i'm an open book i will you know i'll talk about anything with anybody um you know and i guess everybody has to make their own mistakes also you know unfortunately um it's part of the job right well we learn everything that way you know because you could tell me this and i'm like sure no way that, that, that's the type of learners that are attracted to this type of job. Yes. And that's just, that's just the way it is. There's no, there's nobody who does this that's going to disagree with you there. No, 100%. You can sit in that classroom and do those drills all day long, but you don't get it until you go out and you actually pull a line and, like, that theory turns into actual hands-on experience. Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm gonna give you guys another little tidbit. Oh, uh, okay. I went to squad two pretty much out of the academy. We heard. So... You know what I mean? I knew nothing. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? They needed divers. I mean, it, and, and things were different back then. They had no divers. And when I was in the academy, you know. Did they, you have juice? No. You didn't have no juice? No. The I only two, juice you had was that you were a diver. I had two cousins that were on the job. Um, but, no, it, it helped that, you know, Johnny Collins, Tommy Banks, Tommy Hughes, um, you know, at the time when I got out of the academy, all three of them, Banks and Hughes got squad two, and Collins went downtown, and Maloney got squad one, but Collins was sitting at squad two. They were my instructors. So when I got out of the academy, you know, they told me when I was in the academy, don't tell them you're a diver. Don't tell them. That's what my dad said. He's like, you tell them you're a diver, you're going to be stuck at the airport. Well, like, every, I don't know. I was like, oh, well, I, I don't know shit. So great. True. true. <laughs> Very wise man. Um, because everybody who said they were a diver went to 687 or squad seven okay. out of the academy. <laughs> so um, when I got out, uh, Hughes called me up and said, hey, put in a form two. Um Let's say you want to be a diver, you're a diver and you want to get in the dive program. So I did that. And, um, you know, back in the day, you would just go to 687 at Miggs Field and spend a furlough there, whatever, get certified, you know, go there in the winter, get ice diving. And when I came on, there was a guy from Squad 1, Squad 2, and Squad 5 that were on the dive truck. 
So it didn't, there wasn't. There was no assignment? There were some guys. It was like a detailed dive truck? Every day, <laughs> there were three different guys there. So you'd have a different tender all the time? You'd have, yeah. it was just, yeah. who was there? But we, the key with that is, like, everybody was, you know, things are different. And I don't want to say that this generation's weaker or anything like that, but the guys that I went to 687 with all had time on the job, all, you know, were, were alphas, were, were very aggressive, were very, you know what I mean? And you learn a lot from, from being around guys if you let yourself learn. You know, sometimes you have to shut your mouth and watch or ask questions or whatever. But, you know, when I first went to squad two, I don't think I s- said anything to anybody for three years, you know. <laughs> I just shut my mouth and, you know, I ate it. You know, I had, you know, Rosado day one. Richie, he was all over me day one about my shirt, about everything. Um, and I had all these other guys. So it was just a good, you know what I mean? If you, like I said, Hughes was the hardest on us. We... We did not get along well, none of us, whatever. He was hard on me. He was hard on a lot of people. Who, but Who was Hughes to you? Tommy Hughes was Tommy my Hughes. officer. Okay, that's, yeah, I wanted to get there. Tommy's the man, you know, God rest his soul, he passed away. Um, but, you know, I hated him at the time. Because he was just rough on you. He was an asshole. Okay. You know, he was rough. He wanted perfection. Um, and I think that's why... I kind of am how I am because like we would do a drill and you'd do whatever, but we'd get a pin in and, you know, he'd be like, Hey, you're on the tool this morning, you know? And then we'd get a pin in and he'd say, John, take that tool from him. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, dude, like, and you're, it's embarrassing and it's hard. And, and you have what, to, did he do that just to humble you? I don't know why he did it, you know. You never understood his, his methods. You didn't understand his madness until, until ever. Oh, wait, are we doing this right now? Yeah. With Joey on there? Yeah, with Joey on there. Yeah, you can just splice it. You can just splice it, too. This message is brought to you by the Frontline Team. Get into who we are. What What makes you guys special? Man, man, I think I think this conversation right now is what makes us special. This is fun. I'm having a good time, Dude, right? <laughs> he never he never doesn't pick up, Vince. He always picks up. This is this is the Frontline <laughs> commercial right here. Dude, oh, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Yeah. Hey, we're we're here to have the fun. He he makes it happen, Vin. He thought that this was a mortgage in need. Yeah, and that's why he answered. And the, and the bat phone rang, and he picked it up. This guy does it, dude. You can find the Frontline Team and Joey Matthews at the Frontline Team at NeighborhoodLoans.com. Again, the Frontline Team at NeighborhoodLoans.com. You can only also find them at their ring group, which is 480 480- Eight seven eight one two nine two, um, and again, these are the same old guys you know, right, man? Frontline team understands the schedule, understands your needs. So call in for all you veterans. 
Uh, Joey Matthews has been making uh, videos kind of explaining some of the nuances to things that you may not realize you qualify for or you're able to do with your VA loans. So please reach out to Joey Matthews at these numbers. Give it to him one more time, Corey. All right. Again, we've got a ring group of 480-878-1292. And you could always email him at thefrontlineteam.com at neighborhoodloans.com frontline team again at it again ring group 480-878-1292 and the frontline team at neighborhoodloans.com that is who we are tommy was tommy he was he was you could be talking to him and the phone could ring and you could go answer the phone and come back and he'd be like what do you want? <laughs> like, dude, we were just having a conversation. He's like, you know. So he was that kind of guy. We called him Sybil. Um, <laughs> like I said, a lot of people, I loved him. It, you know, I mean, it took me time to appreciate because I am who I am as a fireman because of him. Because, you know, I mean, there's a ton of other guys. But, you know, it's embarrassing when you're out there and you're with other guys that, you know, we pull up and, you know, it's never easy for us anyway at a pin-in or something like that. Nobody wants to yield to anybody, right. let alone the squad, but nobody wants to yield because, like, hey, we can do this. And when you get that nod, like, hey, today's your day, and it's like, all right, this is about time. This is great. And then you get there, and he's like, John, <laughs> take that tool from him. He don't know what the hell he's doing. And it was just like, you know. Johnny be like, I'm sorry, man, you know, whatever. And you, you know, it's embarrassing. So there's two ways you can go with it. Either learn your job or cry. Yeah. You know, cry like a baby and feel you're being picked on or whatever. But, um, I chose to, to make a point. Like I can do this. I'm good enough to be here. I'm here. I can do this. But like I said, I came there as a candidate, so I didn't know anything I knew nothing, so whatever anybody said to me, I, I just did, and I kind of watched, and you kind of learn, and you you, you kind of grow that way, you know? Okay. Well, let's change gears here. I want to get more into how you started your acting career. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's leave your heel. Let's let the burns heal. Let's let that ear heal. Yeah. And, like... How did you, did you stumble into it? Or was this something that we had Kevin Casey in here and he, Backdraft wasn't his only movie. He was, yeah, he, had, he, an he had an acting career. He had an agent. He started good uh, friend of un- mine. underwear yeah. modeling. Good friend yeah. of mine. He's a good friend to everybody. Good friend of mine. <laughs> I, our, my, our kids went to school together. Did you go to fires with Kevin? Yes, I did. Yeah. He was on Tower 14 when I was on Squad 2. Absolutely. He would have been at that fire that you were hurt. Maybe if he was there. Yeah. Well. Yeah, he would have been between you and the fire, and it, nothing would have touched. Yeah, you wouldn't no. even felt any heat. Kev was the man. Um, I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, um, I I fell into this whole. Did you? Were you one of the guys who signed up like f- to do the day work, like as an extra? Exactly. Then- That's how it happened. I, I a guy I grew up with, uh, who's on squad too. Also, he um, called me up one day and was like, "Hey, they're doing this casting call for." the tv show like let's go do it and it was three days i'm like dude not a chance right you know i was a, <laughs> i was a plumber on the side that's what i did and i worked for a guy and it was uh 
I want to say Scotty was on the second shift, truck 12. Um, so it was a, he called me to, that night, second shift night, like, would you go with me tomorrow? You know, he kept asking me. It's a kid I grew up with. I'm like, no, not a chance. He's like, I'm going to call you in the morning. So long story short, the morning came, <clears throat> and my boss called me and said, listen, I need you to go to, like, Northbrook or somewhere out there and do a punch list so he could get paid, you know, get the final <laughs> payment for the job. And he's like, you don't have to be there till 12, 1, whatever. The lady's not going to be there. So I was like, he's like, I'm, you know, it's like, okay. So Scotty called me in the morning on my cell phone, and I was like, no, not not doing it. And uh, my house phone rang. And normally when you're plumbing, you know, doing rough plumbing, whatever, there's no phones. He's like, are you home? And he came to my house and <laughs> talked me into going with him. He wasn't taking no for an answer, huh? Yeah, you know, and whatever. It's 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 just crazy. Um, so, yeah, we went down there. And did you have to bring your own uniforms and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, they wanted you to wear what you wore at the firehouse. So um, I'm sure you've seen on the show the hats. You know, I I don't have one with me, but I wear a squad two hat I have squad two on my jacket so I wore it there um yeah whatever we walked in and this lady like kind of pulled me on the side started talking to me about my stuff whatever went through and you know I was a little upset because I think I was 43 44 gonna be 44 I don't I don't remember um and it was like you know 34 to 40 year old men and i'm like dude i just wasted my time coming here you know what i mean <laughs> right, like right. this was a like you know whatever and it, it was crazy like they called me and uh yeah the rest is was what it, it an is. audition no they were looking for extras because they wanted firemen right for like fire scenes because you know who else would you want yeah. to you know what i mean so you were there were you were they planning on using you to shoot a scene that day? No, no, no. They, they were just, just getting pictures of people and okay, and getting like, you know, when you filled out this paper, it was like, you know, days. Like, I can work certain days. Right, right, and then yeah. it was like, you know, can you sign up for the whole, I think it was 16 days to shoot the pilot. Can you sign up for the whole 16 days? I want to say I went on, I was going on furlough, however it fell. And I was like, I'm there. I'll, I'm just going to do, I'll say everything. You know <laughs> what I mean? And they uh, ended up calling me, taking me. And then I went to, <coughs> I went on the, this is funny. I went to like the day before we started filming, we had this big like meeting. Okay. And, you know, they, they told me, oh, we're going to put you on the squad, whatever. So like we went there and it was like, don't talk to these people. Don't look at them. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I, in my mind, I'm like, who am I working with? Like, <laughs> right. what is going on? Like, I'm not like, you know, so I went home. I told my wife what they said. And I'm like, I'm not going tomorrow. I'm like, I'm done. You know, my wife's <laughs> like, well, you can't just not go. Like you told me you're going, like you got to go. So I went and they were, everybody was great. You know, everybody I work with was great, very respectable. Um, 
It was not, nobody was like, don't look at me, don't talk to me. They actually came up to us and initiated conversation. They were on, great. On the day where you, they called you back, they said, you're going to be in this scene. And did you have any lines at this point? No. No? No. It but was, you were, you were going to be in the scene. I was just on the squad, so it was... Um, and this is, is this all at Engine 18's house? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, now we have that built at the studio. Right. But at the time, no, everything was at 18's house. The studio's by my firehouse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right by the, the hospital. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rockwell. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I don't know, we did a scene where I think Peter Mills is the candidate and you know the show is supposed to be based on him like through his eyes whatever when it first started so he comes in which as one's a, peter mills charlie barnett who he's gone now oh he's gone yeah he's gone he like left to help his mother is he the black guy yeah the he, young the young yes black kid. okay absolutely all right absolutely um gentleman great guy yeah so anyway you know, it was like a scene where we're all in the morning and we're getting ready. You know what I mean? We're getting in service and we're doing all that. And he comes in and Casey, uh, Jesse Spencer, brings him around and, you know, he says, here's the squad holes, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> but whatever the case may be. And it was, you know, whatever. It was it was uh, very long. You know, we shot it a million times. Um but it was long, it was good, and like I said, everybody was respectable. And how it all really fell through is when I got there, um, Chikorotis was there. Everybody knows Chikorotis, yeah. right? So Steve was there. and He's a technical advisor for the show? Absolutely. Okay. Deputy district chief on our job. Um, but he came up to me. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm on the squad, you know? He's like, really? He's like, come here. So he brings me over to all these guys, Derek, Michael, Knockman uh, off, I think was the director's name, Dick Wolf, all these guys were Dick there. Dick Wolf was there? <clears throat> yeah, he comes. Like when we that's like the guy who does all those shows, like yeah. Law and Order oh, and, and all those order. big shows. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> if you would have played that, I would have known I know, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have known that Dick Wolf was there, I would have got it all set up. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, they brought me over there, and, and you know, Chick was like, I solved our problem. Like Tony can drive. Oh, like they were looking wait, for a guy. Were the vehicles city-owned vehicles that they were driving? Yeah. And so there's a right there's a city ordinance that if a, the city of Chicago owns the vehicle, a city of Chicago employee has to drive it. Right. I I that one I don't know about because Cruz Joe Minoso drove truck eighty one. Okay. In the beginning, you do see I you do see other like you see actors driving. But they, they're not city rigs is what you're saying? Not anymore. Know. Yeah. Well, I, this is something that I somebody else had told me a while ago. Okay. They had done something, and it, they were using uh, Chicago Ambulance. Okay. And they were like, yeah, we can't drive it because it's owned by the city, and we can't. It's got to have a city employee drive it. And I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. I that I really, um, I know they rented them. You know, they paid money to rent them, so I don't know. And we were driving them on closed streets, okay. things like that. Um but they they were looking for a guy to drive the. Well, squad. yeah, because even, even so, you somebody who's, I mean, you got to drive the damn thing to you know. So well, you know, Severide, he's the officer, so he sits in the, 
that's the, you know, uh, then we had Cap, Randy, who I, you know, I, I don't know if he didn't want, I don't know the story. And then we had this guy, Hadley, uh, smile, Bill smile, smile, smiley. Um, and they needed somebody to drive the squad and it was just, I just happened to be there and they were like, you know, are you comfortable? I'm like, man, I drive every day. Yeah. They asked yeah. if you were comfortable driving the squad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a normal thing, but I was like, absolutely. And, uh, that's pretty much how that transpired. And so from that on, you became the guy when that, when it's that a weird, spot is running, you're the guy. It's a weird thing. Yeah. You know, um, we filmed the pilot, the show got picked up. And then they called me and asked me to come back. And I kind of was like, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I just, it was, you know, when we filmed the pilot, it was like you'd work 16 hours. And then they say, well, we'll call you in an hour, let you know if you're working tomorrow. You know, because it's the pilot and just everything is, yeah. you know, and I was just like, no, thank you. Like, I'm a fireman. I Most pilots don't get picked up. Yeah. No, crazy. And we're like, you know, we have 11 seasons going on 12 right now. There's only like, I don't know how many, 25, 50 shows. Yeah. Did did you get lines at all? Season one? Yeah. Uh, like, do you have lines now consistently? Yeah. Okay. Because if you don't have lines, they have to pay you at a different scale, right? Oh, that's... No, that's not true. Um, like, I'm a recurring character. Did you have to get a card? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What, what's that process? Well, that union's different than ours. Like, you have to be in the union to, to work. It's not like, <clears throat> you know, with us, like, oh, well, uh, right. I don't want to be in the union. But I'll you, pay my fair you, share. Do you have to, like go fill out an application. Yeah, I, I, I had to go to the union um, downtown. I had to go downtown and fill out. This, this, the Screen Actors Guild? Yes. Okay. And then pay my... What was that, what was that cost? <laughs> Is it a lot? <laughs> Is it a lot? Yeah. Is it really? Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Exciting. It, it must be a lot when Tony was like, uh. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. Your secret's safe with us. You, no, can, you can say it. We're not, it, nobody listens, right? Yeah, nobody, yeah. Yeah. What does Corey say? Nobody listens to this yeah. silly podcast. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean. Well, let me ask you this. Was it worth it? Was that card worth it? God, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Have you become friends with those guys since? Absolutely, 100%. What, out of all the, the actors that you work with, which guy would you take to a fire? Well, I laugh about this because. Um, cause they've played firemen for what? 11 years now. You said, I think a bunch of them could handle it, you know, but like early on that one, David, I can, I can Eichenberg. He, he goes to IFSI all the time. Yeah. He trains with those guys. Yeah. It's gotta be the guy, right? David's the man. Absolutely. I'm the one who introduced him down there. Oh uh, yeah? yeah. Okay. Cause I go down there. Yeah. Uh, I, I see him like, uh, uh, He'll like uh, people make posts of him like actually doing work down there. He's a g he is. Does he just love doing that stuff, or yeah. is he doing it out of kindness of his heart? No, like, he 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 like early on, you know, like they rode with us, you know, just yeah. like the writers rode with us. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, you know, rode. They got 
you know, whatever, the blessing from the commissioner, the mayor, whoever it was. So they got their blessing. So um, David really enjoys it, you know. David's the guy, like if you didn't know who he was and he was sitting at the kitchen table, like it's game on. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no, no. (laughs) You'd be like, you wouldn't know, like. Well, here I have an interesting story with that. My son and I went to the Air and Water Show, and because I had worked it the day before, they let me and my son go to, like, the VIP area. Sweet. And we're hanging out, and then I look over, and my son and this other kid are dumping buckets of sand over each other's heads. And I would go over there, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jax, what are you doing? And, him, you know, he, I think he was, like, five or something at this time, and they were just, him and this kid are just having the greatest time. I'm like, oh, my God, I, like, where's this kid's parents? I've got to apologize because they're covered in sand. And here comes David Eichenberg. Yep. And he, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. And it, as I'm apologizing, the other kid's now dumping sand on my kid. He goes, looks like we're all good. <laughs> you know, looks like we're all good here. This is a guy that was in Sex in the City, too, yes, right? Okay. Yes, yes, Okay. His his wife just had an affair with uh, another woman. So in, in, you know, the remake, whatever. Right, right, right. So I told him, you know, you're probably out now. <laughs> I don't think they're bringing you back, well, he, buddy. Uh, he lives in the city, doesn't he? Yes, yes, he lives in. And the he, other guys just like uh, they live elsewhere, but they come in. Well, we guys from England or some right? Amen. We yeah. film ten months out of the year, so okay. Everybody has. But it's so weird because do they? Does the one guy talk in his Australian accent when you're just hanging out? Yes. The English guy, the chief, he's English. Yes. Like. <laughs> I couldn't handle that. There's no way. Right, and they're and now they're supposed to be Chicago guys. Yeah, right. There's no way I could handle that at all. Dude, the best is, first time I met, like, we finished filming the pilot at, I don't know, midnight, whatever, and the truck was off before us. It was the squad that worked, and uh, they went to somewhere on Clark by Chicago over there, Clark Street Inn or something okay. like that. So, like... I only knew these guys from work. I didn't know anybody, whatever. And it's like, hey, we're going to go here. Meet us here. You know, blah, 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 blah. So long story short, I went there and I started talking to, you know, Jesse started talking to me and I was like, what? I I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> and for, you know, 16 days that I worked with him, he spoke just like this. And he's like, hey, mate. I, I. And I was just like. <laughs> What the hell is going on here? And then, <laughs> is he jacking me? Like, <laughs> like yeah, but he was—he's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's Australian. He's Australian. Yeah, you know, like as he got comfortable, you know, in between scenes and whatever, he spoke with his normal voice. But when he first started doing it, he spoke that way all the time just to keep. Did you give him some coaching on that true Chicago accent? Cause yours is kicking. Yeah, you got, a, you got a good one. I know. So if I if I'm a guy from Australia, and I'm looking to get my Chicago accent, I'm I'm doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. If, Take him out for a beef sandwich. I don't. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know if Jesse. Um, I, I I'll have to ask him. You know. Uh-huh. Now, did you get to meet any of the folks from the police show? Yeah. Did yeah. you ever get to meet Sophia Bush? Sure. That's all he cares uh, about. That's all I care about. I had the biggest crush on her. Did you? I had. From, oh, still, had. to this day. Uh, and my wife knows it, so I'm not ashamed to bring <laughs> it. That's your hall pass, isn't it? 
my wife's a Syrian. There uh, are no hall passes. Well, you get a hall pass. You, just, <laughs> you still get killed. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. 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 I murked afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I had the biggest crush on uh, Sophia Bush growing up, and I, uh, my sister called me. I, forget, I don't even know where we were going, but we were downtown somewhere, and she's calling me, and I'm like, well, she knows where the hell we're supposed to be. And then she's calling me again. I'm like, what's up? And she's like, I'm standing here with Sophia Bush. And she's just, and I told her you need to be, and I'm like, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she ended up having to go. I never got to meet her. And then I ran uh, into her. Uh, I got to shake her hand at Lollapalooza. I was on the bike team. Uh, oh, were you? Nice. Yeah. I was like, oh, Well, hey, that's hey. where I Tried met to be all nice and this, appropriate. That yeah. Australian guy, Jesse, was, he was actually a guy that, um, he was at Wounded Warriors Tent, and he was volunteering his time. At the Wounded Warriors tent, so I got to meet him there, take a picture with him. He's a super nice guy. The best, um, the best. But so we'll if, I could ever, if I could ever take a picture with Sophia Bush, I'll, I'll see if I can make it happen. Right. Uh, let's take a break, and when we get back, we got lots to talk about because I want to talk about squad table and squad cut. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> so we'll take a break. We'll be right. Let's back. do it. <laughs> The opinions and views are that of Chicago's bravest stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.